Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Royal Flush is the nothing personal word of the day. Royal Flush. Today is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Royal Flush as in King James. LeBron James is the king. Royal King Flush. When you get 10 Jack, Queen, King, Ace of the same suit in a hand of poker, that's a Royal Straight Flush. A Royal Flush is any five consecutive numbers in a deck of cards, all of the same suit, while playing poker, that's a good hand. Royal Flush is what LeBron James is in the NBA. He's the king of the NBA in every way. Yesterday, or the day before, he met the media, and what he said fascinated me. Did you know that he wants to own a team in Las Vegas? He just signed a two-year, $97 million extension with the Lakers, so he's with them for two more years. He meets the media on media day, with a Laker jersey on, might I add, and makes it extremely clear that he wants to bring a team to Vegas. He said it. It's not, it's not as though we had to read between the lines. He said, I would love to bring a team here at some point. That would be amazing. We know he wants to be an owner. He said it from the beginning. He wants to be Jordan. He wants to be better than Jordan because he'd like to maybe win a game or two. Wants to play with his son on the court, trying to figure out how to get whatever team he's on to draft his son and manufacture that. Maybe he wants to become the first ever player owner. You'd have to change the rules for that to happen. I'd like to see those owners' meetings. Does that mean the same player gets to go to the union meetings and the owner meetings? I think that's probably why you don't see player owners. But LeBron James is the king. But he did something in the press conference that bothered me. When you are in a position like LeBron James, you have to be responsible with your words. It is what it is. Everyone's paying attention. Everyone's hanging on every word. And if you want to be an owner, there is a certain step that you have to take. There's a certain way you have to conduct yourself. Some would argue there's a certain color you have to be, but I'm not arguing that. LeBron James said, I know Adam is in Abu Dhabi right now, I believe, but he probably sees every single interview and transcript that comes through from NBA players. 
If you're trying to be an owner, that means you have to get votes from other owners, not just the commissioner. You do have to absolutely get the commissioner to approve. Then you get a vote of the owners, just like we've talked about in baseball. If you are somebody who is working and own stock at Walmart, or you are Elon Musk, and you are owning Twitter or Tesla, or you own Amazon, that may be a bad example, but let's just say you are a baron of industry, the top of your industry, but it's not basketball. You probably have ways to get in touch with Adam Silver, the commissioner of basketball, and the way you do it is not through the media. LeBron James has Adam Silver's phone number in his phone. If he really wants to own a team, you think that saying it publicly and mentioning Adam's name the way he did is the way to do it? Saying that you can't reach him, he's all the way in Abu Dhabi watching an exhibition game. Talk about NFL and NBA and MLB going for money grabs, but we can talk about sports cleansing later. Oh no, we have. So the NBA is in Abu Dhabi, exhibition games are happening. You think LeBron can't just text Adam and say, hey, have I mentioned I want to own a team? Love, Royal Flush. Hey, it's me. Hello, it's me. I'm Todd Rudgren, and I would like to own a team. What are the steps I should take? Even A-Rod knows better than to go public, although it gets leaked, but he quietly meets with owners and the commissioner as he was figuring out his path to ownership albeit a much rougher path than LeBron James. I just question how serious LeBron is at the end of the day, I really do, because such a strange way to go about it. LeBron, when you are, when you have the platform LeBron has, when you have the responsibility that LeBron has, when you're gonna become the all-time leading scorer of a league, he is gonna pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this season as the all-time leading scorer. Very unfortunate situation actually going on with Kareem. He and Kareem do not like each other. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar started as Lou Alcindor at UCLA, became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, is incredibly intellectual, thoughtful, interesting, a very good spokesperson on many, many social issues. He's a writer, he's very into jazz, and the most prolific scorer in the history of the NBA. The skyhook was the original skyhook was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which was the unblockable shot, and he perfected it. He actually has 30, the career is 38,387. That's how many points he has. LeBron is right behind him, 37,062, just a thousand under. So the NBA, talk about Aaron Judge going for 62. That's sort of exciting. We stopped, we live look-ins in football and everybody's paying attention to every at-bat. When LeBron James scores his 38,388th point, the game will stop. You don't often see basketball games stop in the middle, but it's going to stop. There is going to be a ceremony, a quick ceremony right in the game. They're not gonna wait to the next day bring everyone in, you stop, you give him the ball, Kareem is gonna be at the game no matter where the game is. And if you do the math on it, it's gonna happen sometime in the 50s, I would guess, 50 out of 80 through the season or 82. He has to average 
23.7 points a game over 56 games to get the top. And he's he averages that. Like, he hasn't averaged that little since his rookie year. So even if he's hurt the way he was last year, he'll still play 56 games. He'll score about 23, 24 points a game. He's going to get it. It comes with an amazing responsibility that Kareem has worn like a backpack full of lead weights and fish fillet on his back for all these years, trying to make a difference, trying to point out to players that they can do more, always saying do more always saying be responsible and he would do it right to LeBron he would say things to LeBron LeBron was asked about breaking the record and he acknowledged the issue he has with Kareem he said obviously Kareem has had his differences with some of my views and some of the things I do but at the end of the day, to be able to be in the same breath as a guy, to wear the same uniform, a guy who is a staple of this franchise, a guy that does a lot off the floor, I think it's super duper dope for myself to be even in that conversation. Come on, LeBron, be better. What, did you think you were not in the conversation? Did you think when you're naming your bet the best Lakers in history and you either put Kareem on the list or don't put Kareem on the list, or when you are hearing Kareem tell you that he wants you to be more active on all the social changes that you are saying are necessary, but that he wants you to be consistent when it comes to China, etc. He's not trying to make you look bad, although he's apologized once or twice for some things he said. He's merely trying to show you, like a nice president, showing the incoming president what it is to be president, leaving little Easter eggs around the Oval Office, leaving little notes for people who are going to do the job of both you and the people under you. You are going to carry the torch of being the greatest of all time. I've always said that LeBron, that uh, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. And I can't say that Michael Jordan carries the GOAT around, nor can I say Wayne Gretzky carries the GOAT around in a way that those leagues would prefer. LeBron James has a chance to be different. Kareem recognizes that. Kareem has never been considered the GOAT, but has taken these issues so seriously and tried to be the spokesperson. Bill Russell was a lot like that, not the GOAT, but very, very involved with issues that mattered off the court. And so getting LeBron ready for his off-the-court life comes in many different ways. It comes in your responsibility, but it also comes in your actions. It also comes in your business choices. And if his business choice is to own a team in Vegas, he's got to go about it better. He's got to be smarter. Do I think there will be a team in Vegas? Yeah, Adam Silver said as much. He said expanding to 32 teams makes sense. Going to Seattle makes sense. Going to Vegas makes sense. All the leagues want to expand because it is the quickest way to get the most revenue in the shortest time, making up for COVID-related losses or just getting more revenue. Now, in basketball, the more revenue the teams have, the more revenue that players get because it's a fixed amount. That's how the salary cap works. And expansion revenue would go into the pot that's counted toward player salaries. So all of the Schmendricks making 12, 15, 18 million a year, now there's going to be even more John Concacks, except they'll be making 25 million a year or 30 million a year. But if you can make an extra dollar, but you have to give away 50 cents of it, you try to make the extra dollar, you walk away at 50 cents. It's sort of like a double tax. 
That's how owners look at it. So they're always trying to get more revenue. So expansion is going to happen. LeBron is going to own a team. I just wish he had contacted Adam directly. Would have been easier. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. We'll revisit it if it doesn't happen. If it doesn't, we'll revisit it too because that's what we do. LeBron is going to pass Kareem this season. Wait to see. I'm making it official. LeBron James will be the greatest, most prolific scorer in the history of the NBA this year. It's going to be magical. You know what's not magical? Is when your teammates fight. I've had that many times in my career. It absolutely stinks. And the reason it stinks is that we want teammates to be accountable to each other. The best way to police a clubhouse is not with your manager. It's not with your coach. It's not with your head coach, assistant coaches, bench coaches. It's not your GM. It's not your president. The best way to police a clubhouse is for players to police it themselves. And that's both on the floor and off the floor. When players are in the wrong place, the most famous one I can think of is J.R. Smith and LeBron James. Remember that play in the NBA Finals? when J.R. Smith didn't know the score of the game and let the clock run out, I think it was a finals game. Do you think that the coach at the time yelling from the sideline that that's the best way to get to J.R. Smith or is the best way to have a player on the court yelling, give me the ball, the score is tied, what are you doing, instead of waiting for the play to end and then shrugging your shoulders like Bud Selig at the All-Star game in Milwaukee. But the point to that is that you want players taking care of business themselves. However, there's one underlying rule of players policing themselves, and that is no touching. The reason no touching is a rule, other than generally unsolicited touching is always bad. In some cases, it's assault. I don't want players getting hurt. That is the main thing that I think about when I'm watching games, when I'm watching warm-ups, when I'm watching BP, when I'm watching spring training, when I'm watching preseason games, when I'm watching regular season games, I don't want players getting hurt. It is the one thing that I cannot control and you are then paying players not to play. I'd rather players stink and then I can pay players to be on the bench or release them. But when a player is hurt, then I have nothing to do but wait. Therefore, we tell our players that while we want you to take care of things yourselves, we do not want physical contact. Yesterday in Golden State, Draymond Green, the enforcer Draymond Green, one of the top five defensive players in the league, you've heard of him, maybe one of the greatest of all time, but not really, but a very good complimentary piece to a championship team, decided he had enough from Jordan Poole, one of his teammates. Jordan Poole was the young guy last year with the Warriors who really had a coming out party. There were some games that he'd score 35 points, some games that he couldn't miss and he'd score 12. Really made the individual over-under prop bets for himself very difficult because he was so inconsistent, but really has a chance to be a star for Golden State. Well, apparently, Draymond Green beat the crap out of him in practice, like punched him. Now, is it possible that Draymond Green was trying to make a point? Was it possible that Jordan Poole was being lazy? Was it possible that Green wanted to show toughness? Was it possible that he was trying to show the rookies or the younger players how serious practice is, how serious a pregame is? Was it possible that Jordan Poole did something off the court 
that required Draymond Green to deal with it on the court, either in the clubhouse or in their personal lives. All of that is possible because I've seen it all. Personal lives sneaking onto the field, into the clubhouse, check. An individual's actions off the field, getting taken care of on the field, check. Just go back to the movie Major League when Corbin Birdson goes to the mound and sees Charlie Sheen, and Charlie Sheen says, oh, God. And then Tom Berenger, the catcher, comes out and says, oh, God. And then Birdson goes up after Sheen had slept with his wife and just says, let's win this game, acting like the manager. Something good. And then he punches him. Do you remember that? Right when they're celebrating the victory in Major League, Corbin Birdson punches Charlie Sheen, and then they hug. So this has been going on forever when players deal with their own stuff. I get it. But a punch from Green to Poole, if you don't know Jordan Poole, he's my size. If you don't know Draymond Green, he's Coca's size. So picture Coca punching me, not going to end well for me. I don't think CBS would be too happy. Can you imagine, Coca, if that's what happened, not in sports, but like in boardrooms or with executives? If the way that we would deal with issues is you would just come over and you were angry with me about something, and you'd punch me in the face. <laughs> that is, actually, as I think about it, it may be the single most insane thing of all time. Is that the way that you settle things in your office when you're angry with a coworker? You just go and punch him in the face? Hockey fights are funny, too, in that way. Off the subject, let me, I'm going to get derailed a minute. So when something bad happens on the field, does that make sense? Like brawls in baseball or what happened in the 80s in basketball, that that makes the most sense that you just start kicking the crap out of each other? I want to see that happen like in a sales meeting when you're trying to sell something and they say no. And then all of a sudden, Chris Farley leans over and punches you in the face because you didn't buy the auto parts. I don't think that would go over well. And it would be on video because everything's on video. It may be viral, but I think there'd be some firings, some lawsuits, some suspensions. Yet Jordan Poole, I highly doubt, is going to try to sue Draymond Green. I just don't think he will. But Steve Kerr's a veteran coach. When you have a problem like that on the court or off the court between two teammates, you do the following. One, you meet with the teammates separately. Then you meet with the two who had the fight together, separate from the team. Then you do a team meeting. You've got to go all three of those steps. You cannot let it go. Sometimes we have the manager say to the public, yeah, we dealt with that internally when there's, some, when there's a rumor of a spat. Oh, we're just, you know, players can be players. We, we use the old, hey, we're family. We're together all the time. This is totally normal. That's what we say to you publicly. But behind the scenes, we're meeting with each of the combatants, then together, then we put the team together. Because if you don't deal with a spat like that that goes physical and you let it fester, it can take over your team like a disease and it can lead to losing. Steve Kerr is way too smart for that. I promise you. God, I wouldn't want to get hit by Draymond Green. Though I wouldn't want to get hit by anybody. I've never been punched, just FYI. Never thrown a punch, never been punched. I have a small question here. There is no chance when Coke and I were doing the show, pre-show, talking about what we're going to talk about, Coco was asking me whether or not as a team or as a league there would be any suspension for Draymond Green. We would only suspend a player in a spat if the receiver of the spat got hurt, 
then we would do a suspension. Not even that it went public. There'd have to be like an injury that would cause mistime. In this situation, I do not believe they will suspend Draymond Green unless this is the only offense we've heard, and there's been four or five of these over the course of his career. Though I find it hard to believe there's something we haven't heard of. Or if something happened this preseason or this offseason, there could be an issue that's been talked about. Who knows what's true, what's not true in terms of the Poole-Green relationship. You just don't know. Unless you're inside the clubhouse, all you know is what you read. And what you read is formulated by the people who give the information to those who disseminate it to you. I don't think they'll suspend him. So I've never thrown a punch, been punched. Never had a concussion. I got hit in the head by it with a frying pan once. Totally accidental. Totally. I don't think I had a concussion. Joe Burrow is a quarterback of the defending champion AFC Cincinnati Bengals. He is one of the great young talents. He is someone who has a chance to be very, very well known in NFL circles, not in worldwide circles. God knows people around the world don't know who Tom Brady is. But he's got a chance to have the torch past him along with the plethora of great young quarterbacks. He was asked about Tua and concussions. And what he said is staggering. And he's going to get in trouble. I want to get it to you exact. He went on a podcast and he said the following when asked about concussions. He said, I've had some where I don't remember the second half or I don't remember the entire game or I know I got a little dizzy at one point, but nothing long lasting. Let me just make sure you understood the last sentence I said. But nothing long lasting. Put a pin in that, okay? You're gonna have head injuries, he continued. You're going to tear your ACL. You're going to break your arm. That's the game we play. That's the life we live. And we get paid handsomely for it. I think going into every game, we know what we're getting ourselves into. Roger Goodell sees this interview. The lawyers see this interview. And the phone rings. Joe Burrow's cell phone. Maybe his agent first. I'd be calling Joe directly. Hey, Joe, there's a couple things regarding concussions that we're going to have as message points. We should have disseminated this to the rest of the league after the Tua problem because we'd like everybody to be on the same page. I would just like to remind you that any sort of concussion settlements, any sort of lawsuits, any sort of monies paid out by owners... That's going to make owners unhappy, and that will impact future collective bargaining agreements. That will impact what percentage of revenue you get as players. So I would like to just ask you to avoid saying the following things, and I'm being really calm right now. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going public. We're not going to tweet this. We're not going to Instagram it. We're not going to publicly chastise you, but you're in your 20s. You can't say the concussions, that it's nothing long lasting with the concussions you've had. You don't know what's long lasting. You're in your 20s. Can I bring you to some of the NFL care facilities or some of the conference calls and Zooms we've had 
or some of the people who are asking for money from the concussion protocol settlements who are not very old, who are not very with it, who have problems that would make your absolutely head spin, head absolutely spin. You are in no position to say what's long lasting. And if you're not going to protect yourself, we've got to protect you from yourself. But in terms of public statements, you've got to stop. Concussions cannot be part of our game the way a broken arm is, the way a torn ACL is, because those heal. And even if you can't throw a football again, you can live a very productive life. We've got to get parents to be okay with their kids playing tackle football, Joe. And if you keep saying, hey, it's nothing long lasting, the parents will say, hmm, that doesn't make sense. And just because there are a certain number of fans out there or media or bloggers who say, hey, they get paid. They know the rules. They know the rules of engagement, as Samson says on Nothing Personal. The rule of engagement should never be that you are going to get brain injuries or that you are going to not be able to function or that you are going to have CTE and end your life prematurely or not be able to live a normal life. That cannot be one of the rules of engagement. Now, is that the rule of engagement in MMA or in boxing? I don't want to talk about those sports. Maybe that's true. That's what Joe would say. I get it. But we can't make football that. We put pads on you and you are running 20 miles an hour at each other trying to kill each other. In boxing, you've got boxing gloves hitting each other in the head. I grant you, not ideal. MMA, yeah, not ideal. Yes, people pay a lot of money to watch it. Yes, the fighters do not make as much as you do. But we are the poster league for concussions. So Joe, do me one small favor. Don't ever talk about long lasting again, ever. Are we good? My God, would I not want to be Joe Burrow today? All right. You know, the NFL is, uh, they really do have a problem as I think about it. I was just gonna go to break Coca, but it reminded me that uh, this situation with Tua, it's just not gonna go away. And they thought that this settlement that they paid for CTE, that lawsuit, then when they changed the, the base that, that people of color would be able to get money as well. Remember that whole story I did where they weren't giving any money to people of color out of the settlement fund because of where they were baseline. They were deemed to be already concussed before they even started. So it had to show a change that was harder to show than for white people. Go back and listen to that segment on a previous episode. It's quite something. But the NFL is trying so hard to bury this. And then every time something happens and it sort of creeps up again, bubbles up like a zit, they have to figure out, do they just let it go? Do they pop it? Do they do a warm compress? What's their plan? They need a new concussion plan. It's not going away. Don't pick it early. You could scar. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that one of you suggested I watch, and I did. And then we're going to talk about your favorite team, the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. If you don't know what I'm going to talk about, don't go away, because it's going to be funny and interesting and a little strange. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. 
with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you. Please rate, review, follow, and tell your friends about Nothing Personal. We put up some original content on TikTok, nothingpersonal.npds. Always Instagram and Twitter. I love when you tell me what movies to watch. I watch a movie every day. I get great suggestions. I keep track of them on my phone. I keep lists, as you would imagine. I write down what movies I've seen and then put a little asterisk next to ones I've reviewed. Well, somebody told me about a Matthew McConaughey movie that I'd never heard of, which is strange because I thought I heard of all of Matthew McConaughey's movies. And it's not like it's a cameo. He stars in a movie called The Beach Bum with Isla Fisher and Snoop Dogg. How is there an Isla Fisher movie who's Mrs. Sasha Baron Cohen? You remember her from Wedding Crashers, among other movies. You remember Snoop Dogg from the beer commercials. Super Bowl halftime show, maybe. Matthew McConaughey, you know him. All right, all right, all right. He plays a beach bum in this movie where he is a married philandering guy who only cares about drinking and getting stoned and finds himself in these strange situations trying to go one day to the next, one beer to the next, one joint to the next, one dollar to the next. He is a beach bum and it takes place in a beach community. I don't know. I don't even know where it takes place. Let's just say Atlantic City. Anywhere. I never heard of the movie. And you should see it. I was entertained the entire movie. It may not be the most highly rated movie you ever see on Rotten Tomatoes or on IMDb. But if you're a fan of those people, it's really good. I laughed. I thought there was quite a point. The end actually has a moral point. It ends in a way that you think is a chef's kiss, but it wouldn't have occurred to you that the movie was going to end that way. And that's even more fascinating to me because it shows that people are people and in general, people don't change. No matter how hard you want them to change, in general, people don't change. The only one you can change is yourself. So if you're in a relationship, whatever it is, a friendship, a relationship, any kind of ship, 
and you are under the impression or the hope that you are going to mold and change someone into what you want them to be. You'll make them more spontaneous. You'll make them more loving. You'll make them more faithful. You'll make them more religious. You'll make them taller. You'll make them skinnier. You'll make them work out. Whatever it is that you think you will make someone do so they can comport to the ideals that you have of a person, newsflash, N-G-T-H, not going to happen. Change yourself. The Beach Bum, check it out. Well worth it. All right, Coca, play me some music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get on Twitter at David P. Samson. You know where to find me. Yes, there's plenty of engagement that makes Coca's hair stand on the top of his shoulder, but we have fun. David P. Samson, get into my DMs, ask questions. I catch up. I try to spend some time every day, but too many. But ones that are good, I'm going to put on the show. David, I'm a huge Angels fan, and I cannot understand what Trout was saying yesterday. Can you explain? Yes, I can. Now, Trout was not talking about the fact that Phil Nevin, their interim manager, was named manager for the 23 season. His interim tag was taken off. Do you think that's because Phil Nevin is such a great manager? No, that's because the Angels are for sale and they're not going to sign another manager to a long-term deal and then have the new owner assume that manager's contract when the new owner coming in may want his own or her own or their own manager. So you just bring back the interim guy for a year, get the team sold, and then the new owner has a blank slate. They can either stay with Nevin or not, but all they did was tack on a year. It's a very simple fire Nevin if you want. You're not on the hook for too much money. Let Nevin manage. He's not going to hurt the team. He's not going to help the team. He's just a body in the clubhouse. So the news that Nevin's option or contract was picked up for 23, that was not for you Nevin fans, an example of what a great job he's done. And it was not for you Nevin fans, an example of what a terrible job he's done. It was simply a smart business move, given that the team is for sale. So Mike Trout had his goodbye Season ended yesterday. The Angels went, what was it, Coca? 73 and 89. They almost lost 90 games with the perennial MVP contender, hit 40 home runs this year, Michael Trout, and the perennial MVP winner, maybe not this year, Shohei Otani. They still lost 89 games. Trout was asked about the season. And his quote was something. Ready? It's going to be interesting what's going to happen over the winter, Trout said. I've answered these questions the last few years, so it's tough for me. In this game, as a personal standpoint, you're going to fail a lot at the plate. Make mistakes. The season has been frustrating. It's not where we want to be. But I've been talking to the guys, trying to change this thing. We're doing everything we can. These are not the statements of leaders. This doesn't show frustration the way he should be frustrated. He signed that $426 million extension, right? This doesn't call out the Angels in any way. It doesn't call out Moreno. It doesn't call out his new GM. But then Trout said something else. When asked about Otani, 
He said he signed a one-year deal a couple days ago. He's got to know that Perry's doing whatever he can to bring a team in here. I think once he signed that deal, he's having confidence in Perry to go out there and make some big moves. OMG. Mike Trout doesn't understand the game of baseball. He doesn't even know the rules. He's like a commenter on TikTok for crying out loud. Shohei Otani already had a one-year deal next year. The only thing Shohei Otani did was get a guaranteed number and avoid arbitration. He didn't sign an extension. He didn't sign a free agent deal. He merely confirmed what he's going to make in arbitration without going to the room and having an arbitrator decide. That's not an indicator that he believes in his GM, Perry, or that he believes in his owner, Artie, or his new owner, or that he believes in the direction of the team, or even that he believes the team is going to go and do and spend more. For those of you out there saying, oh, like me, I said, Shohei Otani should have gotten 50, not 30. Do you think, because I don't, guarantee, in the history of the world, I've yet to see a player who does more than say, oh, I'm going to take less money so more people can get money. They did that on the heat, right? They would take less money so they could sign the big three or sign other people. Sacrifice Tom Brady. I took way less so I could have big teams around me. I've never had one baseball player say it. Not one, not ever. Better than that, I never heard of a baseball player saying it. Not one time, not ever. Oh, I'm taking 30 million because I should have gotten 50, but I'm going to take the other 20 and I'm going to make sure that Perry uses it to bring in guys and to spend money. That is the biggest bunch of horse hockey ever. And Mike Trout, you know it. You think him signing that deal, Mike, is him having confidence in Perry to go out and get your team better? It has nothing to do with it. And it's not that he signed a one-year deal. He had a one-year deal. Believe me, if Shohei Otani were a free agent, he would love to go somewhere and win. Or he would love to sign a deal like you had. $426 million, except he'd probably get it over 10 not 12 Mike Trout's supposed to be the face of the game. No one's ever heard of him. Doesn't want to be the face of the game. And now I come to realize that he doesn't even understand the game. He's happy losing in Anaheim. He could have said something different when asked to sum up the season. He could have said, I'm very pleased that Artie Moreno has decided to go ahead and explore selling the team because one of the things that we need around here are better decisions. And the way better decisions happen when I talk to my friends and other teams is when baseball people actually make baseball decisions and not owners. And one of the things we've suffered from is our owner, who's been very generous with me, very generous in the community, very honored to have been with him and to have the contract I have that has set up me and every generation that will ever, I'll ever have, including those generations who will never remember me or have heard of me except for Google. We're all set up. Thank you for that. But it would be nice to win for me, for our fans, for our teammates. And the only way to win is if the new owner does not act like the old owner. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Or do you think that Artie Moreno would have gotten hugely angry and released him or traded him? <laughs> I don't know why Trout was doing it. You asked me a question, can I explain it? Do I have to explain it by saying he doesn't understand baseball? I don't want to have to say that. Do I have to understand 
Do I have to explain it by saying that he didn't say what was really on his mind? I'd rather not have to say that. So I'm just going to say that when you say you cannot understand it, I'm going to say I don't either. Does that answer your question? Thank you. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did you see the last games? Were you excited? 15 games yesterday in Major League Baseball. The season's over. Done. 15 meaningless games. Spring training lineups galore. Bet you a dollar you haven't heard of anybody in the lineup for half these games. Were you upset that Aaron Judge didn't play? That he couldn't win the batting title, so didn't win the Triple Crown? Did you know that uh, the guy who won the batting title for Minnesota, Rez, he led off. If he had gone 0 for 8, Judge could have won the batting title. You know how hard it is to go 0 for 8, especially with the new rules? There'd have to be some major, major extra innings. So Judge didn't get the Triple Crown. Goldschmidt didn't get the Triple Crown. Boring games. Don Mattingly was done yesterday. Ended with a win over the Braves. The Mets had an interesting situation. The weather was god-awful. They're trying to decide who to pitch in their wild-card series. The Padres had a play and then fly to New York. The wild-card series start tomorrow on Friday. We had the Dodgers over the Rockies with Clayton Kershaw pitching. That won. We are 115-89. and 89. We are 26 games over. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about baseball. On tomorrow's show, it is going to be me and Will Middlebrooks. So it's going to be a Samson sit-down with Mill with <laughs> 4 8 69. Tomorrow it's going to be a Samson sit-down with Will Middlebrooks, and we are going to spend the time getting you ready for the four wildcard series. We'll give you our predictions. We'll talk about the postseason. Talk about a bunch of other things with Will Middlebrooks. If you do not know him, you will not just a great follow on Twitter, but a great guy. And in the top three of players who I spent the early part of my career trying to acquire and never could. Always wanted Middlebrooks to be a Marlin. Never worked out. All right. Thursday night football is tonight. Russell Wilson, are you ready for some football? How's Rob Walton doing with his new quarterback? Everyone happy with Russell Wilson? Happy thinking that he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. You sure? What about the Colts? You disappointed? Are you hoping that Frankie gets fired, the coach? Colts are getting three points from the Broncos, and it hurts. Believe me. But I'm taking the Colts. Colts plus three versus Broncos. And we're not going to get into football tomorrow with Will, but I want to give you another pick. I am fortunate enough to be going to watch my two favorite teams who are playing this weekend, the Packers and the Giants. This will be the first ever London game with two teams with a winning record. Can you imagine? Well, listen, the Jaguars are always in London and they never have a winning record. So it, that stat is not as crazy as you'd think. But this is the first game ever. Coca, we're going to Tottenham. Coca's not coming. Coca's been there. Packers ate over the Giants. That's my pick for the game on Sunday in London. Packers ate over the Giants. Colts getting three versus the Broncos. Okay, so the MLB season ends, and one of the things that happens, 
people have been asking me about this a lot on Twitter, and that's totally fine. But it is very interesting, and I've touched on it a bit of what happens at the end of a season. The players disappear immediately. If they're taken out before a game ends, they get permission to leave the clubhouse early. They say their goodbyes to the players pregame, and then they just disappear. The entire clubhouse, it's hard to focus on the last game of the season. The entire clubhouse has boxes everywhere and duffel bags everywhere. Players are signing things for each other. They're packing up all their stuff because then they disappear until spring training. And they also know that many of the players who they're saying goodbye to are not going to be on the team, whether they're free agents, whether they're going to be trades or just general turnover of a team. Even World Series teams who win the World Series do not bring their same team back. So it's the end of that era, the end of that family, the end of that moment. And then you start figuring out your off season. As an executive, the day after a season ends, season ends on Sunday, we were always in the office Monday. And you're in the office Monday if you're not in the playoffs and you are focused on 2023. The preparation starts now. There are people who work all year long. One of the things they do in the front office is you gotta figure out your staff. A lot of that starts in August and September. But especially on the big league side, when I say staffing, you're figuring out your minor league coaches and hitting coaches and trainers, and you're trying to fill out those positions. If you're going to blow out all your scouts, you do it now, and then you start hiring. This is the time if you're looking for a job in baseball, this is when teams are hiring right now. Even teams in the playoffs are actually also focused on making sure their minor leagues are staffed and getting ready with scouts, et cetera. All of that said, The number one priority for a front office is if you have a managerial opening or a GM opening, or you plan on having that managerial opening or GM opening, because you want those spots filled as quickly as possible. For a GM, you have to have a GM by the GM meetings, which happen in November. For managers, you have to have a manager for the winter meetings, which happen in December. And the reason we always wanted a manager as quickly as possible is that you want that manager to be in contact with the players. You want him to be involved in your front office meetings as you're putting the team together, as you are thinking about trades and signings. If you're bringing in a manager from somewhere else, you want to have the ability to get his knowledge of the team he was on. If you're promoting a manager from within, you want to make sure that manager gets comfortable in the captain's chair. It's way different being a bench coach or a base coach than it is being the person in charge. So many teams have openings. Mike Matheny was fired yesterday. The great Mike Matheny, remember him? Fired. Royals fired him. It's always good to fire a manager when you have a bad season that you thought was going to be a good season, even though you shouldn't have thought you were going to have a good team, but you did. And then when you had a bad team, but you deluded yourself into thinking it was going to be a good team, then you fire your manager. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Yep, that's me. I'm going both hands. I'm double fisting that concept. Blame it on someone else. I'm not going to blame it on me. So the Royals are looking for a manager. The Marlins are looking for a manager. They did not take the step forward they should have, having the Cy Young winner on their team. They lost over 90 games, no offense, wasted money. They got rid of Jeter. Now they've got Kim Ng in charge, and God knows if she is capable of being in charge. But the Marlins now need to replace Don Mattingly. He will be missed in Miami. Then you've got the White Sox have to figure out how to replace Tony La Russa. 
You've got the Astros that may replace Dusty Baker if they don't win. We talked about it on yesterday's show. The Yankees may replace Boone if they don't win it. You never know. The Texas Rangers have an interim manager, and God, did they stink with those signs, but that's not the manager's fault, but they blame the manager. Page one of the manager blame playbook. The Blue Jays have an interim manager. We'll see what goes on there. The Phillies have an interim manager. We'll see what goes on there. And here's the super secret surprise potential opening. If the Mets don't do well, you think Steve Cohen will get rid of Buck Showalter? Do you think Buck Showalter will have worn out his welcome? He wears out welcomes pretty quickly. Will this be the moment that he wears out his welcome if the Mets lose this weekend to the Padres? The Mets, who may not pitch Jacob DeGrom until Game 3, depending on what happens with Max Scherzer in Game 1. Let me give you a word of advice, Steve Cohn. I don't know who you're listening to. When you have a chance to win a series, win it. If Max Scherzer wins Game 1 and you do not pitch Jacob DeGrom in Game 2, shame on you. I hope you lose the series. Listen to your baseball people. And if your baseball people are telling you to hold off to Grom and he's not hurt to a deciding game three when you're up one nothing, then you have the wrong baseball people. If you're down one nothing, you pitch to Grom in game two. If you're up one nothing, you pitch to Grom in game two. The only thing that matters is winning a series. Hard stop. Can't wait to see what happens there. Maybe Buck will be added to that list. A lot going on. Postseason starting. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 